Hey, everybody, who loves coffee? I love coffee. I know you love coffee. And if you don't love coffee, you know what? You should probably start loving coffee. And I got just the coffee for you guys. You can go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee and purchase a bag of The Morning Roar. Uh, It's a partnership we have with our friends at Anarcho Coffee. Uh, It's a delicious blend. I drink it every single morning out of my French press because I'm classy like that, and it's the best way to drink coffee. You don't have to drink it out of a French press. You can put it in your little fancy Keurig machine or your coffee maker. However you drink coffee, you can get it that way. Um, you're going to get the coffee, so go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. You're going to follow a link that's going to take you over there, which makes sure that we get a little credit for kicking some business that way. We get paid. It's fantastic. So make sure you're buying it through this link. And I also want to remind you that there is a, uh, a code. If you join the Lions of Liberty Pride at the $10 or higher level, we have a coffee code that is going to get you 15% off every time you buy the Morning Roar. So check it out, lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. Welcome to Felony Friday a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. For any first-time listeners out there, uh, there's got to be a few. I'm sure there's some every week. Uh, What we do here is there's a couple different formats. Uh, Most of the time, I will bring on felons, people who have been through the criminal justice system, to share their stories, share their experiences. Uh, That is my guest today, although he is, it is my guest second time on the show. My guest today is Michael Monsivice. I will introduce him shortly, but also we'll have different formats. We'll have roundtable discussions, things of that nature. I'll bring on, you know, I've had on experts in uh, forensics and fingerprints and of brought on former law enforcement and prison guards and all that kind of stuff. So the show is wide ranging, but it has a singular focus of exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. And if you don't think the criminal justice system is broken, then this probably isn't the show for you. So you can just stop it right now and I saved you time. You can listen to something else. But if you do think it's broken or if you want to learn more about what's wrong with it and maybe how to fix it, then this is the show for you. And you can subscribe to the Felony Friday podcast and the Lions of Liberty podcast, um, which actually has two other shows. Uh, There's two other shows, one hosted by Mark Clare, which is every Monday. It is uh, our longest-running show, our flagship program. Every Wednesday, we have a show hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's called Electric Liberty Land. Brian's doing a great job with that show, and I've actually done an experiment. I have stopped reading the news almost entirely for the last couple weeks here, and I've only listened to Electric Liberty Land for my news. So we'll see. We'll see how I do out there. You know, So we'll see if I make it. You know, without reading the news and just listening to Brian, but Brian does a fantastic job, so I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, to get all to get all three of those shows, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. There's hundreds of podcast apps. People like them for all kinds of different reasons. 
pound that subscribe button. You'll get all three of these shows delivered to your little uh, cell phone in your pocket. And uh, that's it, guys. Today's show, uh, my show with Michael Monsivice, it's episode not sorry, episode 190 of Felony Friday. That means the show notes page can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash FF109. And let's get rolling into the show. My guest today on Felony Friday is Michael Monsivice. This is Michael's second time on the show. And, you know, I knew after I interviewed him the first time that I was going to have him back on just because he was already working on so much stuff um, so quickly after getting out of prison. He was working on criminal justice reform, on um, helping people getting out of prison get certified in welding. Um, He started a new organization. So I want to talk about all that stuff, Um, you know, just real quickly about Michael. He spent time in prison. And uh, like I said, he's been working for criminal justice reform. He has been in the news recently. Reason uh, talked about his case in an article while he was in prison. And we talked about this the last time he was on, but I want to go into it again because I think it is very important, especially with everything going on with Jeffrey Epstein and uh, you know, really the uh, Bureau of Prisons being shown for what they are is being pretty incompetent and negligent and really a pretty terrible organization. But I, I don't want to give away all the details, but Michael was really severely injured uh, during a prison ride that he had nothing to do with, the prison fight, I guess I should say, and was thrown in the uh, in the shoe in the special housing unit for 71 days. So I want to talk about all that stuff, about, about everything Michael's working on. So Michael, welcome back to Felony Friday. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back and, and uh, give you and the rest of the people updated on everything that's going on. Yeah, man. Before we get started talking about, um, I want to go back into what happened to you while you were in the federal prison with, uh, I guess, the flash blunt bang grenade and all that stuff, the injuries. Before we do that, though, man, I follow you on social media, and I think anybody listening out there should give you a follow as well. If you could just talk about, um, first of all, you know, give your social media handles, but uh, I mean, you've been hanging out with uh, you've, some celebrities, you've been all over the place. If you could just talk about that for, for a minute at the top. Yeah, well, for all your listeners, if they want to uh, follow what's going on, what we're doing out here, they can follow me on Instagram at Chino underscore Mike 909 or on Facebook under Michael A. Monsivais. Last name's M-O-N-S-I-V-A-I-S. So, uh, yeah, so, John, so since I've been home from prison, man, it's been, you know, off to the races as soon as I got out of the halfway house and was free to to move around you know i've been making some moves uh, i've stuck to my commitments on what what i had uh planned mm-hmm. to come home to do which was first getting back on my feet I got right back in the union started working like immediately you know doing uh some very big projects um so i've been working now i've been out of the halfway house now going on nine months so you know i'm already halfway to buying a house so Awesome. We're, we're we're doing really good. Um, hey, quick been, quick question on you said you got, you got back into the union. Is that something mm-hmm. that could be hard to do for you know somebody in your in your position who has because you were already a certified welder right before you went in? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> was that hard to do, or what'd you have to do to get back in the union? No. Well, I was I had a good reputation with the union despite you know the mistakes I'd made in the mm-hmm. past, and so the you know they and then with all the the success I had while in prison by creating the welding programs and all mm-hmm. the other programs I created. And so I even had the union involved with my programs at the federal prison in Lompoc. So 
when I came home, you know, their arms were wide open and they accepted me right back. And, uh, you know, they, they helped me get right back to work immediately within the first week I was already working. So awesome. um, for others, that's why I'm doing everything I'm doing, John, is because when I was teaching the welding program at Lompoc, when I developed that program, 90% of the students in the class did not know that they could join a union. They thought because they had a, a record mm -hmm. that they had no chance at all getting into the union and, and getting a good career. So I explained to them, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a myth and it's not true. You can get in the union, you can, you know, work your way up in a, in a, in an awesome career, you know? So I said, well, just don't take it from me. Once you hear it from my business agent. So I created a separate program called the building trades event, which every year, maybe once or twice a year, we would have agents from several trades, from several building trades in the unions come out and talk about each individual, you know, specialty and opportunities for individuals like my students to come home and get into. So we did that for several years and it was a big success because it's one thing for me to say, but it's another thing for the actual business agent to take the time to come out and talk to the students. So uh, with that, I am now doing what I did in there out here by start getting ready to start my own school out here as well as get people into the apprenticeship programs get them vocational training and welding so that we can get them off to a, to a good career so they can provide for their families you know because working at McDonald's in a warehouse that's a dead-end mm -hmm. job you ain't gonna get nowhere but with the union you have set uh, scales you got set you know pay grades and and, and upgrades so, you know, it's, you know, you can't lose getting into the union and, and making a good living, you know, living and taking care of your family. So yeah, and it's, it's, right it's a skill. So, I mean, if, if you move around the country, you, you can take it with you. Right. Um, yeah, you so, can go anywhere. so you're actually, you're, you're starting a school, you said. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, trying to start a school under my organization. No more locked doors. Right. Um, we just got our federal tax ID number um, about maybe a month and a half ago. So we're uh, in the uh, pending stages right now of getting certified through the IRS and the federal government, you know, to become official. But they have said we are legally able to operate. So with the partners I have, you know, I have a great team behind me, you know, some big people. And once we get some grants i plan to build a center or get you know get a building and, and build a center in there and bring welding and some other things some counseling and stuff like that for individuals that are coming home from prison and mm -hmm. i'm also working with youth at uh, chino hills uh, boys republic juvenile placement so we got some great partnerships going on with them we're kicking around some ideas about maybe creating a school on their facility and teaching the kids in the daytime and then you know my other guys at night so uh, a couple of different, you know, opportunities that that we're looking into to see which will work best, you know, for what we're trying to do. Right. Hey, I know we talked at the top of the show about what we were going to talk about. I'm going to go a little bit off script, but I, I think this is worthwhile. I just thought of it now. So, you know, a lot of people, and we, we might have talked about this a little bit the first time uh, you were on the show. I can't remember. And anybody should, if you're listening to this now, go back and listen to that whole first episode. I'll link to it on the show notes page. You can find that. Uh, you can find that show linked at today's show, which uh, the link will be lionsofliberty.com/ff190. So somebody in your position that you know you've been to prison, 
you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is you, but I'm saying somebody who would be in your position, get getting out of the halfway house, you know, you you might be feeling down on yourself. Um, how do you how have you been able to channel and move so quickly in order to start this organization, um, become so active in the criminal justice community? Have these it, it, I mean what what really uh you know, made me ask this question was you're just talking about these visions that you have. And, you know, last time you were on, you were, you were doing the same thing. You were talking about things you wanted to do and you're, you're doing it. I mean, you're putting a vision in front of you, then you're going out and you're executing. So what, I mean, what is, and th- I think this is, this is going to be a very good for anyone to hear. Even if you haven't been to prison, you have anyone, you know, entrepreneurs out there. How do you go about doing that? Like, how do you set that vision and then make sure to, you know, do the action steps to get it done? Well, I had to um, I had to take a deep look into myself, John. I had to see what what was I doing wrong. I was lost for so long. I had no proper guidance. I didn't have any like real motivation and and somebody trying to you know set me on 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 a good path. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, when I first got in the union, I really didn't know what I was doing. You know, I really it was just like a job to me. I didn't really understand. I didn't have you know people. Uh, trying to tell me what great things were available to me. I just kind of landed in a job and I was working. I really didn't uh, uh, understand, you know, the the possibilities with it. So I wasted so many years getting in trouble, making mistakes, hanging around with the wrong people uh, and, you know, just, you know, caught in that web, you know, the street lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I see that happening to so many people. I see it coming from my neighborhood, which is a very old neighborhood and generations after generations after generations are from the neighborhood. So in order to break that cycle, we got to start reaching out to the younger generation to teach them something better, something more positive, other possibilities other than selling drugs, running the streets, you know, uh, gang banging and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, and instead of just teaching them, you know, the old ways, teach them, you know, better ways because that, that stuff's over with, you know, there's no future in that. And I've seen so many of my friends uh, lose their lives in the streets or lose their lives to lives in, uh, in prison. And so I don't want to see that. I don't want to see other uh, families hurting because they lost somebody. I don't want to see my family hurting because either I'm gone or my kids lost their father. So mm-hmm. I had to, I had to figure what can I do to break this cycle? And then just being in the criminal justice system for so long, seeing all the injustices, all the all the stuff that goes on behind the wall with, you know, prison guards and how they treat, uh, you know, individuals that are in, in their care. Mm-hmm. And I so that's why I, I became an activist, because, you know, the system's broken. People are finally getting it across the United States. We got this massive movement for prison reform and all this stuff. And a lot of people don't really know what's going on behind them walls. A lot of people don't understand what's going on in them courtrooms. I received almost a life sentence for 38 grams of methamphetamine. And uh, I eventually was forced to take a deal of 130 months or risk the life imprisonment. Right. And it's just because of overzealous, you know, prosecutors and, you know, to them, it's numbers. How many how many man years they can get under their belt of incarceration. That's what it boils down to. And so I've seen so many people, including, you know, not just myself, but others, you know, get screwed way worse than me. So, you know, that's why I became, you know, active. And, and I said, you know what, I, I gotta, I gotta actually try to do something to change this and using my story 
and the stories of some of my friends, you know, a, a lot of my good friends got some powerful stories as well. And so, you know, with together, you know, they're, you know, I got Weldon Angelos on my board. I mm-hmm. got Mr. Washington, uh, the artist uh, on my board. And I did time with these guys in Lompoc and, and uh, Weldon got a 55 year sentence for $900 worth of, of marijuana. And now it's legal and people are, you know, making millions off it. Right. And if it wasn't for a lot of big people and activists coming to help him, including his former judge, um, he would still be doing 55 years for something that's pretty much illegal across the United States. And same thing with Mr. Washington. He did 21 years and, and now he, he's both of them are out. So with with them and many others, we're, we're just, you know, sharing, you know, the injustices and trying to trying to get the system to you know, become more fair, more just, because there's no justice in it today. Right on, man. And, and Weldon's been on the show. I linked it out on the show notes page as well. Uh, Mr. Washington has not. We, we got to get him on the show, too. We got to get Mr. Washington. He's he. You think I'm moving. Mr. Washington <laughs> is all over the place. That guy, yeah. he, he he's doing a lot of amazing things. And it's just so awesome how my story started with both of those guys at Lompoc. Mm-hmm. Both of them were involved with the welding program when I first started putting it together by scribbling notes on a piece of paper, uh, um, both of them, Mr. Washington painted uh, an amazing mural in the welding shop for me. And uh, I'll send you the pictures um, to that. It mm-hmm. was like 16 feet high by like 20 feet wide, huge. Wow. And um, Mr. Weldon had typed some stuff up for me because he worked in the computer class and he had access to computers. So uh, pretty, pretty amazing that to have known those guys and, you know, I started that program with them. Yeah, very, so, very cool, man. Um, I do want to come back to, so you're talking about um, the Bureau of Prisons, the way they're treating prisoners. And if you could just go over really your story. I mean, I know last time you were on the show, we went over it in depth, but I think, you know, right now, there's sort of really more attention right now on the, whatever you want to call it, incompetence, neglect, um, you know, maybe it's outright just cruelty that's going on with probably a little bit of all, th- all three of those things. But I like to call the Bureau of Prisons the most corrupt organization, well, one of the most corrupt organizations in criminal justice or, yeah. you know, in law enforcement, because basically at the end of the day, they're, they're officers of the law and the stuff that they get away with and, and the things that happen in federal prison is like it's mind blowing that they get away with this continuously. And so that's what even drove me more because Mm -hmm. of what they did to me and to a lot of my friends on that day on June 17th. uh, I mean, uh, June 21st, 2017, when there was a a fight outside the building, uh, not even near the building, but uh, you know, a little good distance away. And an hour later they came into our building, a peaceful compliant building. and, And they, discharged six grenades in there and two of them landed right next to me for no reason and caused me severe injury. And then for them to send me to the, uh, you know, to the hole, to the shoe Mm -hmm. to cover it up. So my injuries can heal. And then that messed me up in my drug program, which cost me six more months in prison when I was already coming home. And after I had done all these great things and had zero disciplinary infractions the entire time I was at Lompoc, which was at that time, I think I was just at Lompoc for six years. So, you know, and the fact that they told me, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. We're going to, you know, we're going to take care of it. They never take care of nothing. They let me sit in there and rot. And then 
when they couldn't justify keep me no more, they were forced to let me go. And uh, only because I had a congresswoman, uh, uh, congresswoman Norma Torres uh, looking into it, you know, they were forced to let me go. And they admitted to her that um, after their investigation, they found no, you know, no wrongdoing on my part. So they, they had to let me go. If it wasn't for her, I would have probably still sat in the shoe. I would have been transferred and they would have buried me somewhere else. But I think she actually helped, you know. So how, how did she, how did she hear about it? If Well, I, I had uh, uh, friends and family, you know, contacting all kinds of people when I was sitting in the shoe because mm-hmm. after, you know, after, you know, a month when they already had released 200 people after like two weeks and, and I was starting to get this feeling, Hey, something's wrong here. You know, if, if five staff witnesses gave statements on my behalf that I was in the building and not outside and, the unit I was in was the drug program, which everybody in there told the the RDAP um, staff uh, mm-hmm. that I was in the building and I didn't do nothing. I was following uh, the directions I was given, which was to get down on the ground. And, you know, I did that. So uh, the fact that all this time was passing and nothing was being done, I, was, I became, you know, concerned. So I, I wrote the family and said, hey, this is what's going on. I think you guys should look into this because, you know, something ain't right here and uh so they started calling you know all kinds of people yeah so i had uh last week i had larry levine on the show and uh your case was in my mind but i didn't think to say it because we were talking about the shoe and uh epstein being in the being in the shoe and uh I was talking about the reasons why people would go to the shoe. And he was, he said for disciplinary reasons. And I would say, well, you know, sometimes other things can happen. And I, I, I was thinking of your case, but I wasn't at the same time. I wish I'd brought it up then, but, but yeah, they'll use it as a way to, uh, to hide, to hide their own neglect, their own incompetence, their own mm-hmm. mistakes. But, uh, so 71 days you spent in there, right? Days. Yeah. I was the last, released person from that incident to come back to the shoe. They took 300 people to the shoe. They let 200 out after about two weeks. Most of those 200 were either outside in the direct area where the fighting occurred or in the housing units uh, nearest to the location where it occurred. Mm -hmm. So to me, I was like, how can you let all these people out who were in the, you know, immediate vicinity and yet you know i'm on the other side of the prison in another building which all you guys were standing outside of which had i think i counted 52 or 54 windows surrounding the building so you could see inside and know nothing's going on in there the unit officer never called for assistance so i mean why would i be sitting in there so long so that's when i became concerned and i said you know what i i, I i'm pretty much sure that they don't want me out because of my injuries and they don't want people to see the extent of my injuries and they don't want me to take photos of my injuries. And so when they eventually let me out, first thing I did is I bought two photo tickets from the commissary and went and took some pictures in the Mm -hmm. designated photo area of my injuries. And guess what? The special, um, the SS, uh, what do they call it? Special, um, SIS, the special investigative services, which are like the, you know, the, the, the investigators in the investigate, you know, wrongdoing and crime and stuff. They took the pictures from the commissary and would not release them to me. They, they, they uh, confiscated them. So I challenged it and I was fighting it. And I said, hey, they said I couldn't have it because they were indecent. 
So I said, what do you mean? He said, it's a picture of my leg. I said, you guys injured my leg. You guys know. He said, well, we can't tell who's in the picture because it's just the leg. I said, well, the photo docket, you guys know, has my name on it that I bought from commentary. It comes with my name on it. Mm -hmm. I said, and the fact that you sent me a notice that you confiscated my picture tells me that you know who's in that picture or else how would you know to tell me that you took my pictures? (laughs) So we went at it for a while and, um, uh, they just, you know, they eventually released those uh, photos to me, but because it's, it, you know, cheap camera, cheap, you know, you can't, can't really see as good. And this is like four months after, you know, the injuries. So um, those photos didn't come out too good. So I wasn't able to really use those in anything. The photos that I've been trying to get for since, since the incident were the ones that the SIS took of my leg and they also took live video with digital cameras and those just show my leg shredded up. The sweats were completely blown off. I was burnt mm-hmm. all down my left side, my arm and my leg. And they will not to this day release them. A reporter, well, CJ, uh, the reporter from um, Reason, Reason Magazine yeah. filed um, a Freedom of Information Act request to the VOP and to the FBI. And the FBI says they don't have nothing, which the VOP said they were investigating. The FBI was the ones investigating the matter. They never investigated because they said they didn't. Then the, the I don't know why said, the why the FBI would would be investigating that. Well, a, a lot of times the FBI investigates because federal prisons fall under you know federal jurisdiction of of mm-hmm. the FBI. So when stuff like when serious stuff happens, the FBI does come in and investigate. You know, but um, they said they they didn't investigate nothing. I guess pertaining hmm. to this incident. So the BOP stated in, in uh, to um, reporter uh, CJ that uh, they they claimed all kinds of you know confidentialities and all kinds of just you know fake excuses of why they could not release these these uh, photos and the reason they don't want to release them because they're completely the opposite of what were written in those medical reports when medical um, uh, listed my injuries they they downplayed it to like minor you know abrasions they called them and um you know they said like a pain scale three and they said the incident happened outside where the actual fighting happened i mean everything was a lie everything was false and they know that if these pictures and videos come out it's 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 going to raise a lot of you know a lot of eyebrows and a lot of people are going to be like hey if he was in this building and he didn't do nothing and you guys know he didn't do nothing why was he hurt they still have not to this day answered the fact that I was injured. They won't touch that subject. They just said I was taken to the shoe and after the investigation, I was released and cleared of any wrongdoing. That's all they'll say. They won't say nothing about me. How was I injured then? If I didn't do anything wrong and I wasn't where the fighting was, then how did I get injured? Yeah. And it's not like any of the, uh, the BOP, uh, you know, the people involved, yeah, they weren't reprimanded or anything. You know? No, no. The, the warden uh, retired and the other ones, uh, the captains and, and the lieutenants and them, they were laughing and they thought it was all funny and basically said, good luck and we're immune and you guys, you guys, you can't touch us. And, you know, they told me a lot of stuff. So what do you think? Uh, I was retaliated a little bit. What do you think needs to happen? With the BOP, I mean, obviously there could, you know, you, you could change the whole prison system, but um, 
which is probably what needs to happen. But like, are, are there are there like small things like say if if you were put in charge of the Bureau of Prisons, I mean, what what are some some small changes? Or something you could do tomorrow that would that would make things better. Well, they got to put they they can't you can't let the BOP investigate themselves. I mean, exactly. come on, yeah. you're gonna find yourself guilty of doing something. Uh, all these. Um, uh, you know, people's grievances or, you know, torts or whatever should be taken to an outside agency, an independent agency where, you know, they would get a fair look at versus, you know, their friends ain't going to find their friends, you know, guilty mm-hmm. of anything. And uh, I was even pulled aside by the SIA, which is the one that supposedly investigates all the accusations against staff. And basically, you know, he, he was trying to, he, he was just trying to uh, discourage me from even filing anything you know i filed a criminal complaint against government officials for uh you know any uh for for injuries or you know you know for my injuries and stuff and Mm -hmm. they never even responded to this date i sent a couple of them certified mail and so they don't want to touch it because they know there's no way to get around it and the fact that i just came home i don't have money to afford a federal attorney to fight this matter i haven't been able to find any legal aid or assistance to at least get into court so we can get the court to subpoena these photos and videos. So what was the, uh, when you were in the shoe, I asked you this with, uh, you know, the Epstein case in mind, supposedly he hung himself. Um, If he's, if he's a suit, I'm an expert in this field because for, I want to say at least three years, two or three years, I was a suicide watch cadre for the BOP. I was okay. trained. I was specially trained, and we had training every month, and and I uh, went through intensive training to um, to work with suicidal inmates. So anytime an inmate came through and had suicidal, you know, tendencies, or he was thinking, you know, just anything that was of concern to that individual safety, they would contact um, the cadres, which there was a mm-hmm. whole team of us. And we would work with them if they put him, if they felt he was serious enough to um, possibly hurt himself, they would put him in suicide watch. He would sit behind a, a glass, um, in a glass cell, I guess you can say, with um, a real thick quilted like smock. So you can't like twist it up and hang yourself with it. It just slides right over them um, and basically nothing else. So there's nothing in there for this individual to hurt um, his or herself, you know, but in this case, it males because it was a male prison, but, um, there's no way they can, there's cameras everywhere and they know when people are suicidal, they're watched even when they're back in the general population. So to me, it raises a lot of questions, whether there was some other stuff going on. And and I, I wouldn't put it past the BOP or the government in general Mm -hmm. from having their hands in some way in this matter with, uh, Mr. Epstein. Yeah, well, it's, it's just all kinds of crazy stuff there. With apparently he was allowed to leave the shoe eight hours a day and meet with a lawyer. Have you heard about that? Which I when when you're on suicide watch, ain't nothing happening. You're 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 stuck in uh, suicide yeah. watch. Even in the shoe, when you when uh, you got visiting, it's you're you're under supervision. You're under videos. You're under you know they. Um, you don't, you're not just right there out, out, you know, in a blind spot where you can do some, some crazy, you know, mm-hmm. federal government, they have cameras everywhere. 
in, yeah. in, in prison. So. Well, apparently these cameras malfunctioned at the exact oh, yeah. time. That they- <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> I'm sure they did malfunction. Coincidentally, just at that time, too. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were working prior, right after the matter. Yeah, this is this is the one case that is uh, it's turned everyone in the United States into a conspiracy theorist. But mm-hmm. anyway, man, um, I want to take the the last segment here, the last time we have to talk about um, no more locked doors. What you're doing with that organization? Uh, so if you could just share really what the what the mission, what the vision is, and uh, where you see it going. Okay, well, just to make it real quick and simple, um, no more locked doors. I just you know. I thought of the, you know, I was thinking, what, what, what am I going to name my organization? So I remember the movie Friday, and I remember there was a little scene that uh, this guy did, and and uh, he was joking around, and he says, "No more locked doors and stuff." And it's kind of like a known thing here in Southern California. It's kind of like a little street thing, and it's funny and stuff. So, you know, I kind of said, you know what? There's a double meaning to that. No more locked doors. Okay, so I'm fighting against this the this unjust system. So we're mm-hmm. trying to shut down prisons and, and no more locked doors. And also the fact that most of my students in the welding program thought that the unions and all these other opportunities were closed to them because of the record. I said, that's a perfect name. No more locked doors mm-hmm. because we're opening doors that were maybe in the past could have been closed to individuals like me and, and, and others that have trouble past, mm-hmm. but we're, we're, we're going to give these guys an opportunity. We're opening them up and, we're going to help them, you know, get back on a better, on a better path and stuff like that. So because of the stories that families against mandatory minimums, another big organization that I work with, Mm -hmm. um, published that first story success on the inside, it's gotten a lot of attention. And then the Walt Pavel uh, Forbes story as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of, I've been invited to a lot of events. I went to the Rolling Stone, a variety magazine event, been invited to events with Cut 50, Van Jones, Kim Kardashian, all these people, Meek Mills. Um, I was just with Danny Trejo, Alyssa Milano, uh, Baby Bash, uh, Mr. Criminal, who's another recording artist. Got all these people supporting the No More Locked Doors because they understand that individuals, you know, coming from poor neighborhoods in the streets, you know, don't really have a fair shot. So they believe in the mission, the cause. We're going to get these guys mentorship we're going to get them vocational training we're going to mm-hmm. get them placement in the unions in the apprenticeship programs uh if they need counseling i got a board member that's a, a, a psychologist um so you know I'm, i i got a big network of great people from government uh congresswoman norma torres's office is behind it uh state senator connie leva's office behind it uh state assemblyman freddie rodriguez is behind it united wave on of America, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, Anti-Recidivism Coalition. I mean, the list goes on and on of all these people getting getting behind this. I got uh, Tattoo. He works directly for Ice Cube. He's been a TV and radio personality for 18 years. I was actually incarcerated with his father, and he understands, you know, be, not having his father for, I think he said, 30-some years, uh, you know, it, it, it messed with him. And so we're trying to stop that because we don't want the next generation growing up with all these problems and getting entangled in this and this um street life and this absolutely criminal justice system what, so what do you doing. think i mean you're I like how you're naming all these celebrities you've been hanging out with so casually but uh, um <laughs> what do you think really was the tipping point that that has caused 
you know, so many of these celebrities, so many of these pop culture figures to really wake up and, you know, understand that this change needs to happen now and actually start working to make the change happen. Well, they're just, they're just seeing, okay, it, it starts with like, you know, one, one big person coming on saying, Hey man, this ain't right. And then, so a lot of people didn't realize the stuff that was going on in these courtrooms, how people were getting outrageous sentences mm-hmm. for minor crimes, you know? And so the more people are getting behind it, like Van Jones and Kim Kardashian, Meek Mills and Michael Rubin and uh, Robert Kraft and all these people, Scott Butnick. Oh, my God, that guy right there has been doing some great things out here in Southern Mm -hmm. California. And so with platforms like that, they're getting it out there. Hey, man, this system's broken. And look at all these people that are getting these crazy sentences for small time, in in most cases, small time nonviolent drug offenses. Right. And so, you know, the public is, you know, now catching on, hey, this ain't right. And they've seen too many, you know, people of color, minorities, black and brown, you know, uh, picking up, you know, the, the blunt, um, you know, the, the, the worst part of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Danny Trejo, uh, he did time back in the 60s. He did a lot of time back in the day. And, he, you know, he got a break and he got tired of that lifestyle and, he got tired of, of using drugs and alcohol and he's been clean 30 some years and he's been out of prison since 1969, you know? So he's been doing a lot of great things too for a lot of people. And so just with people like him coming out and talking about it and Alyssa Milano coming out and, and just being mm-hmm. a great activist for so many things. And, uh, um, you know, we're just waking up a lot of these other people and they're saying, yeah, you know what, we need to start doing things. We need to start using our platforms and, our, you know, our, our, you know, status to help our people. And so when I told them my story and they see what I'm doing, they said, Hey, you know what? You're the perfect person to get behind and start doing this because a lot of them didn't might've, some people like tattoo said, we've seen the injustices, but we didn't know how to get involved. We didn't know how to start. So, so with you, you're the perfect vehicle to help get us going and, and, and help, uh, you know, help us use our platforms to to help our people. That's awesome, man. You know, I think it's so interesting that in this time, this country is so divided on almost every other issue, but on criminal justice reform, almost everyone, it's never going to be everyone, but almost everyone, right, left, center, whatever, is united on this. And it's really, it's really incredible to watch. Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons you know, I've talked about this the past couple of weeks on my show that I'm going to be moving this show, Felony Friday, into its own solo feed. It'll still publish in the Alliance of Liberty feed as well. But, you know, I think it needs to be sort of standalone right now. I don't want to attach a, a label to it, you know, have a political uh, ideology, ideology attached to it. Because criminal justice justice reform, it's it's just the right thing to do. And I don't care if you're a liberal, I don't care if you're a conservative, I don't care, you know, what your mindset is. If you want to work to um, free, you know, nonviolent people who have, you know, maybe they've just sold a plant or, you know, people who are doing decades in prison for consensual transactions, if you're willing to stand up for that, we can talk about the other stuff later. Let's let's work on this together now. So exactly. it's 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 an amazing thing to watch. And I think in the next, you know, two, three, ten years, um, there's gonna be some huge changes 
for the better we're going to see uh, in the system. And I mean, your organization is certainly one leading the way. So if people want to, you know, learn more about no more locked doors, if they want to help out, I don't know if that's possible yet. Um, yeah, you know, that's possible. We got tax they... ID numbers, so we can legally operate now. So we're just that's the problem is I'm doing everything. On, well, not on my own because I got I got some good people getting behind me, but it started on my own. I've been doing it out of my own pocket and just coming home from prison and not having, you know, just starting mm-hmm. from scratch. You know, it hasn't been easy. So, yeah, we can definitely use the help, you know, because once we get through this last little hurdle of um, uh, becoming certified, then it's, you know, we can, the sky's the limit. We can do so much um, great things out here. Do you have a website? operating we yet? don't have a website yet because i just don't have the money to pay to have somebody do it but right now the best way to follow everything is i'm doing everything myself on my uh on my instagram page okay. at, at chino mike or on my facebook page uh, i do have a, a no more locked doors page but i just because i work you know in the field with the union welding and, and doing the, the construction i just don't have time to maintain all the pages so the, the one I, I get on most is the instagram so that's the best way Okay, uh, awesome. Follow what we're doing. And, and if anyone out there listening wants to volunteer their time to help build a website for Mike, I mean, would would you take that if somebody wanted to uh, help out? <laughs> we could take all the help we can get right now because right now yeah. we, we're just in the early, early stages. So uh, so far, I don't know if you've seen the the videos that uh, three of my uh, three of my participants have have uh, they were so kind of to post for me. But uh, one of my uh, friends, Jamie, just got out of federal prison. Um, she got out of the halfway house about a month ago and, uh, she heard me speak at a, at a, at a drug program event about, you know, my, what I'm doing and my, my story and stuff. And mm-hmm. so she got inspired and she reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to get in the union. Can you help me? I said, sure. Awesome. She said, so we got her going. She's working on the 405 freeway project for about a month now and she's making good money and she's off to a whole new career and start. And I got two other friends in welding school right now two of the partnership schools that I got. So, you know, we're doing what we can even without a budget, but you know, with the budget, we can do a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, uh, you know, it's great, great getting to talk with you again. I know last time we didn't get to see each other, so yeah, yeah. Good, good to see you too. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit better on the, on this <laughs> stuff, on the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at your social media account, you're, you're doing social media better than I am. So I can, I can learn something from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, man, yeah, and I was serious about it before. If, if somebody wants to, you know, help out Michael here, if they have some skills in designing websites or whatever, and you want to help the criminal justice movement, you can reach out to me, Felony Friday at LionsOfLiberty.com. I'll connect you guys, or you can reach out directly to him too, of course, if you're comfortable doing either. But uh, any parting words before I let you go today? I just want to say thanks to everybody out there, especially my team, for believing in me, for getting behind me, for doing everything they do. Uh, my partner, Paula Rosado from the Univision Network has been awesome. She has done all the legwork as far as uh, all the paperwork to even just get filed for our nonprofit. So a mm-hmm. big shout out to her, to my boy Tattoo, Baby Bash, and Danny Trejo, and uh, uh, all the great people just supporting us and, and believing in us. And uh, the American Wellness Society, of course, my union. Southern California Carpenters for believing in me and giving me that chance as well and supporting what we're doing and taking these people in and giving them a shot as well. And, um, 
you know, just, you know, everybody out there that wants to be a part of it, you know, follow the movement, get behind it. And I, I'm, I can't do all this alone. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to take a lot of people to make this real change. So the more, the better. All right, man. Michael Monsivais, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me, John. And we're going to have some more updates for you soon. So sounds good, we'll, we'll man. Be in touch. <laughs> all right. All right. You take care. All right. I want to thank Michael once again for coming on the show and for everything that he's doing to reform the criminal justice system and to help people with a criminal background to find success after prison. Uh, like I said during the interview, man, I am so impressed with Michael's drive. Not only that, the way he's able to set a vision and go out and execute. And I think anybody, if you're you know, a former felon or not, uh, anybody can learn a lot from the way that Michael is living his life right now, taking action. So uh, awesome to have him as a, a guest today. As I mentioned during the show, Felony Friday is moving to, is going to add, I should say, a solo feed. That's going to happen in early September. And I want, you know, I'm going to need some help with that, with launching it. I want to keep it, you know, a core group of people who are, you know, really diehard fans of the show. I want to keep you guys really involved with the launching of it and the development of it and things like that. So can you do me a favor? If you love this show, even if you haven't been listening for a while, but maybe it's only a couple episodes you've listened to. But if you care about the mission of this show, if you care about reforming the criminal justice system and taking uh, the message of this show, the stories here of the, individu- of the individuals who have, have suffered through the criminal justice system, if you want to elevate those stories to the mainstream, please go to Facebook and join my Felony Friday podcast group. Just search on Facebook for Felony Friday podcast, click join, and I'll get you in. Um, it's going to be you know, it's going to be so great to have some help, uh, people to, uh, you know, go out and help to share the new podcasts, subscribe to the new podcast feed, of course, all that stuff. So if you want to be involved in that, please join the group. With that being said, guys, the only other thing I will mention is, as you know, here at Lions of Liberty with Mark and Brian, um, we're trying to expand everything, not just Felony Friday, the whole show. And we got some things we're going to be announcing um, with some of our goals that we have uh, for ways we'd like to grow. Um, and what you can do is go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty to join the lines of liberty pride. You know, not only can you support us, but we have all kinds of great content, bonus content. We have bonus shows, conspiracy corner, which, you know, looks into different conspiracy theories, things like that. You know, uh, Rico and, Mark and Howie and JB have some fun with that show. We have a show called Degenerate Gamblers, which has nothing to do with politics. It only has to do with gambling. And myself and Brian and Rico will uh, do some some fake betting on some games, talk about some sports and, and things like that. So you can check that out. And, of course, you got all the other stuff that we talk about on the Patreon page at the different levels, all the free stuff, interaction with us, our private Facebook group. You can get access to that private Facebook group for just $2 per month. So that's the lowest level of the two. The highest is our $100 per month level. And at that level, you get one ad per week on the Lions of Liberty podcast. That is a ridiculous discount. Four ads for $100. Our rates are much higher than that. So 
If you have a little small business, you know, something online or you're trying to, you know, build a brand out there, please consider joining the Lions Lions of Liberty Pride at the $100 level. You're going to get all the other bonuses too and you get an ad. Uh, four ads per month for 100 bucks. Great deal. Check that out. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. I have talked enough. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.